The Right Side with Doug Billings. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Right Side with Doug Billings. I'm coming to you from smack dab, as I always do, in the middle of the fruited plain the United States of America. Thank you very much for watching. Today on the program, Coy Griffin, a friend of mine. He founded an organization called Cowboys for Trump. He's a J6 political prisoner. He used to be being persecuted for simply exercising First Amendment rights. He's being persecuted again. And the weaponized DOJ, the FBI, coming after Coy. I'm going to let him tell you his story, but we need to surround him with prayer and support. Today, Coy Griffin, ladies and gentlemen, the right side with Doug Billings is now upon you. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, everybody. My name is General Mike Flynn, and I'm here to do a big shout-out for my great friend and, and one of the best in the business, Mr. Doug Billings. Right side with Doug Billings. Right side with Doug Billings. Doug is the future of the airwaves when it comes to independent broadcasters and podcasters. He is the new Rush Limbaugh. He's exactly what America needs right now, looking for honesty, looking for wisdom, looking for truth, looking for patriotism. Listen to Doug Billings at Right Side with Doug Billings. God bless you and God bless America and thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we are winning. We're winning, winning, winning. Welcome to the Right Side with Doug Billings. Are you ready? We are not liberal snowflakes who melt away in the face of tragedy, adversity, and challenge. We are a covenant nation under God, and his divine providence is not dead and it's not gone. It is living within each and every one of you, and you will bring it to life in such a way that the world has never seen before. We never back down. We never give up. We march forward. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Right Side with Doug Billings. Thanks for joining us from around the planet. Thanks also for joining us on the Brighteon TV network, the Spreely network, and on Beck TV. Thank you very much for joining us wherever you may be. Uh, we look, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to I'm going to cut right to the chase and not give much of a monologue of my own thoughts here today, because I want to bring on uh, right away a, a dear and good friend of mine, a patriot, the founder of Cowboys for Trump, Coy Griffin, who is um, well, I'm going to let him tell his story, but th this is an incredible story of persecution in the American Republic, but yet it's also a story of finding the blessings from within adversity, challenge, and tragedy. Koi has a unique God-given way and really a calling that I think we're all called to see the blessing and the potential good that can result from being under incredible amounts of stress, persecution, and as I said, tragedy, challenge, and adversity. So without any further ado, my friend, Coy Griffin. Coy, welcome back to the program, my friend. Well, thank you very much, Doug. It's always an honor to be on with you. And, you know, watching your work over the years, I, I have nothing but respect for you, and I admire you in so many ways because you've been on the front end just like so many of us have, and uh, your, your efforts don't go unnoticed, and uh, we thank you very much for them. Thank you, my brother. Well, listen, let's let's tee this up and set the table here for the audience, because although you don't need an introduction, people know who you are. I want to make sure that we have the full context of what you're currently going through in New Mexico, your home state. But I want you to to set the table. Let's go back in time a little bit and please take your time and explain in some degree of detail how it is that Coy Griffin is the is the first American patriot in 150 years to lose his, his his elected position because of a charge of insurrection. Your your involvement with the J6 
uh, ordeal and, and just take it from there, tell your story and let's tee it up for the audience. Sure enough. No, you know, I think if I kind of trail back to really where my attacks first started kind of really falling on me, Doug, um, it was probably after I, I went and, and met with president Trump in the oval office. It, it seems like, you know, if I, as I kind of reflect back, um, you know, through my efforts as a county commissioner, um, and before that, I pastored a church. You know, I pastored a church here for about five years. Yep. I was involved in small business where I ran a restaurant, dealt with the heavy regulations and the difficulties of that. Um, and, but, you know. So you were a county like commissioner even, in New Mexico when you met with Trump. I saw those pictures of you. You were in the Oval Office with President right. Trump. And, yeah. and that's the, the genesis of where you think, you know, you, you as know, an elected official from your, your enemies, your, the Democrats said, look at this. One of our guys is in there with Trump. We got to get him. That's right. You yeah. know, it seems like even up to that point, even though the left and the media hated the message that I carried, it was like they never really had anything that they could really attack me on mm. until that time whenever i met with president trump and i came out of the oval office there was all of this conspiracy about these travel vouchers that whenever i went to washington dc and it was like all these media attacks and slander and i really came under the crosshairs it seems like um after that first meeting how, how did you and i'm sorry to interrupt you but just no, no. How, how did you how did you get invited to the oval office why why did trump invite you there you know, I had already spoken to the president on the phone before that, um, back whenever the president was really advocating for the funding for the border wall. Um, you know, I'm a commissioner here in New Mexico. I'm 75 miles as a crow flies from El Paso. So um, we're a county that's directly affected by the unsecured border. I, I saw the president's valiant efforts to secure our border, and, and I got sick of the media saying, it's Trump's border wall and Trump's building the wall. And, and I sat here as a locally elected official and, and I, I just wanted to show others that it wasn't Trump's wall. He was building that wall for us. He was building that wall for my constituents. So I wanted to be a, a strong sign of support for that. So we traveled to Washington, D.C., me and a group of others um, called ourselves Cowboys for Trump. Cowboys for Trump, you know, I mean, we were kind of branded at that time. We rode from Cumberland, Maryland into D.C., 170 miles down the Potomac River, the CNO Canal, beautiful, beautiful trail. Um, and at the end of that uh, trip was the first time that I spoke with the president on the phone. He called me whenever I was at the end of the trip. I was flying back out here to New Mexico. I was at the airport in Newark, New Jersey. I had a very important commission meeting the next day where we were going to pass our Second Amendment Sanctuary County resolution. If you remember back to that time when when our counties were moving those resolutions through. So uh, the president called me. He invited me back at that time. And I can honestly say that I declined an invitation to go back to the Oval Office that the president gave me. And and I did so because I had to get back to a meeting at my county. My oath matters to me, the people that were counting on me to be there. And so I told the president, we'll pick another day in some warmer weather and we'll come back and, and meet you in person. So that was the first time I spoke to the president. But, but Coy, how, how, do you think, how do you think that Doug, he, I believe that, huh? How, how do you think, how did he hear about you first though? How did he, how did he find out about Coy Griffin and why did he call you the first time? I don't, you know, I think that, 
somebody on the inside that was close to him and told him about our efforts. Okay. And, uh, All right. Okay. Yeah, Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, Just I, sure was, I was, I mean, I was at the airport in Newark, New Jersey, and I got a, the Senate minority leader here in New Mexico called me and he said, cool. He goes, the president of the United States has been asking around for your phone number. <laughs> oh my he gosh. said, if you get a call from a restricted <laughs> number, make sure you answer it. <laughs> and no sooner did, did Jim tell me that, that my phone dinged and I looked at it and it said restricted number. And I went, holy smokes. And <laughs> so I clicked over, I spoke to the president and, uh, I truly do believe, Doug, that, that the president heard my heart that first conversation when I spoke to him. You know, um, Trump's told me numerous times through the conversation, Coy, you're my kind of people. Coy, you're my kind of people, you know. And and I just, you know, I just tell him, well, Mr. President, you're our kind of president. You know, you're the people's president. You're you're the first president we've ever had in that office that I felt like actually cared about the average Joe, you know, which is what I am, you know? So, uh, we had a good, great conversation on the phone, which kind of, and then after that, I had president Trump line some meetings up in Washington DC for me with, uh, with the department of ag, the forest service particular, because our forests out here are an absolute disaster are burning our, our communities down there. We've got fuel overloads and they want to try to blame it on global warming. And it's not. It's because our forests are so overgrown because we haven't been able to log, which is my roots. My family goes back into the logging industry. And, you know, we were put out of business 25 years ago by the Mexican spotted owl. So I, I know forest management. That's in my wheelhouse. And President Trump, I spoke to him when I spoke to him. I think that he could understand that I knew what I was talking about. He lined some meetings up with Undersecretary Jim Hubbard and others in the in the Department of Ag that um, I started moving in that direction to actually get some work done on the ground, which unfortunately we never really carried out on. It's and um, um, I hate it, but um, but President Trump made the effort. He. He, he really went to bat for me on it. And then, which leads me to the invitation into the Oval Office. I was in Washington, D.C. at a commissioner's affiliate. And uh, it was a Western States affiliate where there was commissioners from all over the West that were there. And towards the end of the meeting, I had a, a gentleman in a suit walked in the room and he motion at me like that and I got up out of my chair and went over there and he goes come with me the president of the United States wants to meet with you and uh amazing wow. amazing honor you know I I was able to sit down at the desk with the president in the Oval Office um there was a lot of military brass in the Oval Office when I walked in that I had the great honor of meeting as well you know so uh it was a it was a very honorable day um and uh and, you know, I don't think you can ever really judge a man until you shake his hand and look him in the eye. And uh, whenever I was able to do that with President Trump, I just had more respect for him. You know, I mean, yeah. he, he's he's all business. Um, you know, people ask me what it was like. And I say, you know, have you ever been to the zoo and walked over where they keep the lions and they're growling and they're walking <laughs> behind the bar? That was just like, that was President yeah. Trump for me. You know, he just admits strength. Uh, yeah. I, I had a chance to visit with Mike Pence before I went in. Uh, 
I shook Mike Pence's hand before I went in the Oval Office. He was coming out as I was coming in. And uh, I felt the exact opposite with Mike Pence. You know, I mean, whenever I shook Mike Pence's hand, I, 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 I didn't see that in Mike. I, I didn't yeah. see any strength, really. You know, yeah. I just saw kind of kind of somebody i'm sorry but somebody that was weak you know i think mike pence is weak in character i think he's weak in nature and uh i don't think that he would ever be the type of leader that could lead america out of the problems that we have today you know so whenever mike pence did what he did on january 6th unfortunately it didn't surprise me well and so there it is january 6th so you You've met the president. You, as a result of those pictures that were taken in the meetings, the local folks there in New Mexico said, "Oh, we got to get him." Or, or it could have been that people outside of New Mexico, liberals, uh, you know, acted in concert with your local folks and said, "We got to get this guy." One thing led to another. But you did go. Uh, you were there for President Trump's speech on January sixth, and right. and uh, and you've been on my show before, and we've talked about this. And all you did was lead a group of people in prayer. Now, you were on the steps of the Capitol. You never went inside, never did any damage, never did any harm to property, for for crying out loud. That's not in your nature at all. You you had a bullhorn, and you were leading people in prayer. I had a a bullhorn that I borrowed. I didn't carry a bullhorn in there with me. A guy was walking by and had one, and I asked him. I didn't walk down with the bullhorn. Sure. Yeah, you weren't stirring up ruckus. Yeah, right. I walked down there with only a heart of prayer and as God is my witness. And I pray that he would strike me dead right now. If I was lying to you, Doug, I had no idea that was a restricted zone that I walked into. I had no idea it was unauthorized. There was no signage around there. There was nothing to indicate to us that that was a restricted area. Um, So I walked in with the clear conscience and I walked out with the clear conscience, but when it comes to the attacks, I was well, I was but, but to be by the media after my meeting with the president, they came at me in a very vindictive way on social social media and such. <clears throat> but they never got me into a courtroom until after January the sixth. Um, you know, I as you mentioned, I walked down there on on the morning of January sixth. I wasn't even I had no intent of even going down to the Capitol. I. I just went to attend the rally on the ellipse, you know. Um, but that morning, I was encouraged to go pray with people um, by a friend of mine, Gary Chapman. He was Amy Grant's first husband, great oh, yeah. patriot, great yeah. guy. Um, Gary sent me a text that morning, encouraging me to go pray, which I felt it came from the Lord because that's the way the Lord speaks. The Lord speaks through um, those that serve Him and are close to Him. So. Uh, I walked down there with an unction to pray. Um, by the time the Lord landed me, I was on the west side of the Capitol on the terrace. Um, I was never in any kind of a disruptive or disorderly environment. You know, nothing, nothing ever happened around me that would make me step back or cringe in any way. You know, it was just, just everyday Americans. Okay. And I, I was able to pray with people and, we left on our own accord. Um, and, uh, and then on January the 17th, I was arrested by the FBI. They showed up at your house. No, I was back in DC, you know, um, after January the 6th, I, I drove to uh, San Diego, California. Um, and I did so Doug, because I wanted to go meet with the family of Ashley Babbitt. I saw what had happened to Ashley on that day. 
And I saw what they were trying to present her as like they were all of us whenever I saw the mainstream garbage. And uh, so my heart broke for her mom. My heart broke for her husband. And uh, being somebody that was actually present at the Capitol, um, I wanted to go see her family, her friends, and, and, and offer any type of comfort that I could have been to them. So that's where I went right after January 6th. I got to San Diego. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get in contact with her family. That was okay. I was just going as the Lord leads. It didn't happen. So then I drove back here to Alamogordo. I attended a county commission meeting, and then I drove back to Washington, D.C. And I did so, Doug, because the inauguration was on the 20th, and uh, I wanted to see it with my own eyes, okay, because I'd never felt like Joe Biden is truly the president, you know? Right. And oh, yeah. Join the I club. don't believe what I see on TV. I'm sorry. I'm just one of those guys nowadays. I've been lied to too much, okay? I've been... They've, they've lied to me too many times. And so where I stand now about the only thing that I believe is stuff that I see with my own eyes. So I wanted to go back to D.C. and see the inauguration with my own eyes. Um, but unfortunately, I wasn't able to do that. I was arrested on January the 17th outside of the Capitol um, while I was doing an interview on a on a media platform. I was circled by FBI agents and, uh, you know, I was looking at these guys and I was wondering, I wonder what these guys are doing, you know, and <laughs> lo and behold, here they came for me. But I, I'm very grateful to God, Doug, that I was arrested at that time in Washington, D.C., and that I wasn't drug out of my house at three o'clock in the morning with flashbangs and armored vehicles in my front yard like so many other patriots have been, you know, so... Right. God really spared me the heartache of having to subject my my son and and myself to those in my neighborhood to yeah. the kind of tactics that the FBI has been using. How old is your son? Just out of curiosity, if he's eight, say, eight years he's old. Eight years oh old. my gosh, just the young, you know, a little guy. Um, yeah, okay. He's a wonderful little boy. He's already got great discernment, and it breaks my heart that. Um, he already doesn't really have a trust um, for the for the FBI and the federal government right now. And and that's 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 disheartening to me, you know, because I want my son to regard the FBI as great, noble enforcement agents. But in order for us to look at the FBI in an honorable way, they have to begin acting honorably. And right now, the FBI is not doing that, you know, right. and so it's hard to view them in that that scope. So you went, uh, you went to trial for this J six nonsense. And, uh, I think if I'm, if I remember correctly, you and Dr. Simone gold were on the same day, weren't, didn't you appear in court the same day? To, and uh, that's right. I, yeah. Uh, our sentencing was, I believe, um, sentencing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I was able, I was, I was present during Dr. Gold's, uh, sentencing in the courtroom with her and, uh, my heart broke, you know, I mean, she, uh, she really got she really got the screws put to her for lack of a better word, you yeah. know. Um, yeah. She really got she really got hit hard. And so you but, were released, right? And and uh, you you went on your way, right? That's what happened. You did you you were basically time served was your sentence, right? And, that's correct in my yeah. sentencing. But on January the seventeenth, you know, whenever I was taken into custody, 
I was like, what's going on? Yeah. They said, we've got a warrant out for your arrest. And I kid you not, Doug, honestly, as God is my witness, whenever they said they had a warrant out for my arrest, I said, is this for an unpaid ticket in New Jersey? Because, <laughs> because I got a parking ticket in New Jersey one time that was a bunch of baloney and I haven't paid it. That's honestly, that was the only thing that I could think of. I, I don't mean to laugh, be, but it's it's the blessing of how you approach it. I, it's, it's nothing about this is funny, but that's the, that is a little funny. True. Yeah. So, yeah. so they took me down to the FBI headquarters and they began to interrogate me. And I, I was handcuffed to the wall, you know, and uh, I thought it's okay. I just, there must be some confusion. I just need to tell my side of the story. They'll let me go. And so I told them everything, Doug. Every question that they asked me, I told them an honest answer to because I stand on the precept that the truth will always set you free. But unfortunately, with the United States government, that doesn't happen anymore, you know, because I told them the truth. They asked for my phone. And I thought, Oh, Lord, you know, I've got all of my emails, all of my inboxes. I've got communication with big, big influential people in Washington, D.C. on my phone. You know, I've got a lot of content on my phone. And it was like the Lord told me, give it to him. And I just, you know, I wasn't like Hillary Clinton. I didn't have to go destroy my phone or yeah. I didn't have to go erase my emails. Yeah. I handed him my phone and... uh from that point, they threw me in solitary confinement. They threw me in solitary confinement. All for right, three listen. Weeks. Okay, um, a lot to talk about. Can you stay through the next uh, segment Absolutely. here? Absolutely. All right, look, I'm up Absolutely. against a break, ladies and gentlemen. Coy Griffin, Cowboys for Trump. We're only at the very beginning of the story. There's much more to it. Believe it or not, if you think you've heard something now, just wait until we come back from this short break. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Cheers. The right side with Doug Billings. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Right Side with Doug Billings, where it's obvious and true. Liberals are intellectually immature. Thank you very much. Today, we're pointing that out with my friend Coy Griffin, who has been through, um, just, uh, it's almost indescribable. The only way you can understand what he's been through is to listen to him tell the story himself. It's just so shocking the way that our Department of Justice and the FBI have been weaponized against patriots in this republic. Once upon a time, you know, Coy and I, I'm I'm probably I'm probably Coy's senior. I've probably got a few years on him, but I would imagine we're from the generation whereby once upon a time, we used to wave to police officers. We used to go up and admire them. We used to be proud of the FBI. We used to just view them as our guardians, as our, our they, they would watch over us. And uh, today, although there are still many people, many men and women in blue and the law, in law enforcement that are those versions of what we remember from our youth. There are just enough of uh, bad guys, though, that have really tainted the reputation of of all law enforcement. We see that every day. Coy, before the break, we're talking about you, uh, you know, going to Washington, D.C. The FBI surrounds you. Uh, they take you in. They begin to interrogate you. You hand over your phone and uh, take it from there. What happened next? From there, they threw me in a cell that I wouldn't even put an animal in, Doug. Um, it was some downtown D.C. lockup that was full of them. 
it was the bugs in this place were uh, it was it was like something out of an Alfred Hitchcock movie. The walls were just moving with bugs in this place. Oh, Unbelievable. Lord. So I spent the first night in that place and then they took me to what they call now the DC Gulag, the DC lockup. Um and they threw me in uh, a cell in in the DC Gulag for for the first 9 days I was in um, was in 24-hour confinement. Uh, they didn't let me take a shower for nine days. Um, they didn't let me use the phone for nine days. I had no human of contact with anybody for nine days. Now, Coy, and, let, let me ask it, you something about And again, I very rarely interrupt, but because this, the details of this are important, I, I imagine, now you tell me if I'm wrong, I've, I, um, I imagine that when you're in this isolated cell, I, I can only, was it like, as if, I mean, I can, what are the sounds? I'm sure there was moaning. People are crazy. They're making uh, weird noises. Was it like you're in an insane asylum or something? What, what was that dynamic? Like psychologically, you, you hit, you hit it right on the head, Doug. That's what I would have said. I would have said it was like being in an insane asylum. Um, I could hear people hollering all over the jail through all hours of the night. Um, a lot of mental, probably a lot of people that are mentally gone, you know, yeah. um, but, uh, you know, my cell, um, it, it had one small window in it and the seal wasn't good around the window where it would build condensation up on the inside of the window. And then it was just a block wall and the whole wall was just solid black mold, you know, um, in my sink, as I mentioned for, for the first nine days, I couldn't shower, but. I had a sink in my cell so I could still wash my feet, and my hair, and my face. But on about day four or five, um, my sink backed up and all the raw sewage from the prison was coming, oh. boiling up inside of my sink. Oh. And it was a smell like you, you can't escape from, you know. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, then I couldn't use my sink. And the only water that you could drink was the water that you got out of the sink. Okay, so I still had to try to to get drinking water out of a sink that had raw sewage. It was boiling up in the in the drain. So um, and and Doug, I always kind of try to put it into perspective, too, because the the most torturous part about it, as I stated earlier, is I went in there not even knowing that I had even broken the law. Okay, mm -hmm. and and that's an that's a different level of mental torture. Okay. If, if I had killed somebody or I had robbed a bank and I was put in that kind of condition, then I feel like mentally I would have been able to receive it because I knew that I had done something that justified that. But whenever you just get pulled off the street and you're blindsided and you get put in that kind of a situation, it brings about a different type of a mental torture that, I can't even put into words. I mean, um, it was something that I wouldn't wish on my, wish on my worst enemy. Uh, you know, I mean, even just not even being able to take a shower on, on day nine or 10 or whatever it was, whenever I was finally able to take a shower, just to feel water hit your skin again was like mm -hmm. unbelievable, you know? Yep. I mean, it, yeah. So, so, so that period of time ended, you, um, you're back to some degree to normalcy, if that's possible. You're back home. You're you um, you you lose. They they 
they uh, they take you out of your elected position. They they remove you right. from office. Uh, was that in the interim? Was that after all of this? During no, this? It, was, it, it was before or, or it was after, I should say, um, you know, after nine days and 24 hour confinement, then I spent another 11 days inside. I spent a total of three weeks. Okay. Um, all right. In solitary confinement, mind you, on a misdemeanor trespass charge. That's what I was charged with. So they let me out. As soon as I get out of prison, I get in my little car and I drive, lay the ears back, and I get back here to my county to go to my next county commission meeting. I never missed a county commission meeting, okay? And so I attended my next meeting with all the pundits there calling me an insurrectionist and this and that. But I continued honoring my own. I continued functioning in the capacity of a commissioner. My adversaries smelt blood in the water. They thought they could get me removed from office or a recall campaign because I was an insurrectionist. And so they waged a recall against me, a vicious, when they were standing all over town with their signs and the stores, they had radio ads out, and their recall fell flat. They couldn't get 28% of the people in my county to sign their recall petition. Why? Because people know me. They know what they know who I am. I, I, I was a, I was a very visible person in the community prior J6. So they knew who I was. The recall failed. So since they couldn't remove me from office through a recall campaign, I had plaintiffs from outside the county file a lawsuit against me in the civil court on ground of insurrection. They took me before a liberal Democrat judge in a bench trial. I had attorneys of the likes of Lawrence Tribe, Erwin Shermansky, Dan Abrams, the NAACP. They all entered into this lawsuit against me. And uh, through total fraud, they found me guilty of insurrection. And through a judge's court order here in New Mexico, Judge Francis Matthews, who, had dis who is a disgrace, he removed me from my commission seat. He removed a duly elected official who had already survived a recall campaign. And what that allowed to do was it allowed the radical progressive Democrat governor of New Mexico to hand select who went into my seat to represent the people that I was elected to represent. And these are the very people that will say our democracy is under attack. Frauds. Unbelievable. Yeah. And, and so there we are with that. And now Cowboys for Trump, which was never a political action committee, never kind you never raised any money never. for anybody. It was just your yeah. name for your group of guys that you would go around and you would try to spread the word. You would, you would try to save the Republic, bring, awaken people. You would, you were just on a right. mission to do that kind of, am I right to a degree? Amen. Yep. Yep. Amen. And you know, we called ourselves Cowboys for Trump. But our message was bigger than the person of Donald Trump. It was America first. It was our borders. It was our Second Amendment. It was the unborn. You know, it was it was the conservative staples that we went out and we spoke on on protecting. And we always operated. I only operated only under the First Amendment. You know, I mean, we should have a right to be able to speak politically how we feel. Um but again, through a weaponized judicial system, the secretary of state and the attorney general, um, they came at me and said that I was a political action committee and I had to register as a political action committee because at the time I was only registered as a single member LLC. OK, 
The only reason why I even organized financially is because I would have little old ladies that would write me a $20 check for fuel and they'd make them out to Cowboys for Trump. Well, I didn't have a bank account to cash the check, you know, so I just went down and opened the simplest bank account I could under the headline of Cowboys for Trump only so I could cash these checks that people were giving me to pay for our fuel and our meals as we went out and spoke for them. But the Secretary of State in the state of New Mexico said that I was a political action committee. They, they came at me. They fined me $7,800 in fines. And so Sidney Powell, defending the republic, came along by my side. And uh, I was able to visit with Sidney. I explained to her what was going on. And Sidney believed in what I was doing. She saw the fraud in what was taking place. And she took my case on. Sidney personally orally argued uh, this case in the Tenth Circuit, and unfortunately, um, we lost the opinion. Um, I feel like we should have won it, um, but it is what it is. We lost the opinion in the Tenth. Uh, we shouldn't have lost it in the Tenth. But again, it's a bench trial, pretty much. So the result of losing that in the Tenth Circuit is now I have a, a criminal misdemeanor charged against me by the state of New Mexico, a campaign finance violation, what they're calling it. Um, I have a jury trial at the end of this month. Uh, start It'll probably start March the 1st. Um, and the severity of it, Doug, is they could send me to state prison for one year um, if they find me guilty of a campaign finance violation, as well as it could affect my supervised release from January the 6th, which could send me back to Washington, D.C., back to the D.C. Gulag. So I have a lot I have a lot on the line um, coming up. And OK, so Sidney Powell, you guys didn't get the opinion of the judge. It was a bench trial. You didn't have a jury there, obviously. No. Um, is there a chance to appeal that, Coy? Or is that no, not you know, um, I don't know. That would be a question for Sydney. Um, okay. I wish Sydney was, I wish defending the Republic was representing me right now, but um, I reached out to Sydney. I reached out to defending the Republic and uh, they said, she said they have a full docket and Sydney's got some cases that she's working on. And so um, they're not, Sydney's, Sydney declined to represent me in the, in the criminal case. Right. So, so, uh, so you have yeah. then a, a public defender who, who is a, a liberal gentleman and a, a Democrat. We, are you, and we, are you hopeful that he's going to be objective and, and, and work with passion and, eth, you know, with ethics to defend you? you? You know what, Doug, I think so. You know, I mean, he's a Democrat. Um, he's a public defender. He's provided by the state of New Mexico who I'm going up against. Um, but, on the flip side of that same token, I think that he's a man of integrity and I think that he'll follow the law. I pray. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you have to deal with the, with the cards that are dealt. And he's been dealt to me right now. I'm a man that trusts in God. I know that if God wanted Sidney Powell by my side out here in New Mexico, Sidney would be by my side. So um, I just have to have faith and trust that God, if God wants this, public defender by my side then he'll remain if god wants somebody else to come in because i've got this isn't my only legal stuff you know the removal of office 
Um, I went through that pro se. I didn't even have an attorney sure, in a civil sure. lawsuit, you know. I mean, uh, but I've got a, a a rock solid appeal, and I have it filed with the New Mexico Supreme Court right now. Okay. Um, so I need an attorney on that as well as well as my J six conviction. Um, I have that trespass charge under appeal right now too. So. I could have some big legal wins in the very near future. Um, and I believe that I'm going to, I just don't know if I'm going to be doing it by myself or if God's going to send me an attorney or how it's all going to wash out. But, um, but I know that God's God's in control of my destiny. Doug. Well, yes. Amen. And, and so coming up the jury trial for this, uh, the, the nonsense, the, the political action committee cowboy for Trump nonsense that they've alleged against you. The advantage there, I suppose, is it's a jury trial. You're well known in the community. Amen. Um, um, we hope that your attorney, if it ends up being this public defender, that that he would screen appropriately the the uh, men and women that serve on the jury. Now, I I've been in a jury a couple of times, but I'm trying to recall if if uh, the defendant has, do you, will you get to sit with your attorney and help have a voice in who is chosen for the uh, jury? I, or is, I'm not sure. We've got a hearing on the 22nd of this month. that's going to go over the logistics of the jury selection and the trial schedule. So um, I would like to be, I would yeah. like to be present as they pick out the jury. I just don't know if that's something that I can leave. I would definitely ask that question. Sure. I would definitely ask. And, um, let me, let me cover a couple specifics. You, you do have, um, uh, a platform out on give, send, go. I That's looked correct. it up and if and ladies and gentlemen, if you go to go, uh, give, send, go and look up support Coy Griffin, his name is C O U Y Griffin, G R I F F I N support Coy Griffin. You'll see his, his, uh, <laughs> campaign there. And I That's would right. uh, just ask and uh, implore all of you. Uh, to pray for Coy, first of all, of Amen. course. Uh, but to, if you can financially support uh, Coy, go to Give Sin to Go and look up Support Coy Griffin over there. Um, and what, there's we, there's two pages in there, Doug. There's yep. a legal defense fund um, okay. that's on Give Sin Go, and there's one that's personal for me. And uh, if I could ask people, I'd really. I mean. I'm I'm kind of in the straight right now financially. Um, you know, whenever they removed me from law office, I lost all source of income, and that was about four or five months ago now. You know, um, yeah. so it's been difficult. You know, I mean, whenever you're from a small community and you get run into the ground like I've been, it's it makes a different cli a difficult climate. I don't leave my house a whole lot. You know, I mean, I I uh, yeah, but um, but. Yeah, anybody that can give, it's it's greatly appreciated. Is there a way, let's just, you know, if somebody out there in the audience is an attorney or knows an attorney, or, or what, is there a way that they can get a hold of you and say, hey, I know somebody, maybe they, is there a, a is there anything that you're safe and comfortable as far as communicating with you that you can Absolutely. give out? Absolutely. You know, um, my my email address is my name, Coy Griffin, C-O-U-I-G-R-I-F-F-I-N at hotmail.com. Um, Anybody can get get a hold of me at that email address. Um, I've got a great a great mutual friend uh, that we both know, Cameron Moore. Cameron's really stepping up in a big way to help me um, uh, look for an attorney and just help me advocate, kind of just get through this. So 
I just I I can't thank Cameron more enough. He's an unbelievable patriot. And a he great is, friend. yeah, he is, and he's a mutual friend. And I uh, we're both blessed to know Cameron and uh, appreciate him very much. Uh, what else, Coy? What so we've we've got a few minutes left. I want to give you the last word with regards to, you know, here we have, in my view at least, you, a, a Christian gentleman who, by all counts, no despite what you're going through, in spite of all of it, you have an attitude that's absolutely phenomenal. I mean, a God-given, spirit-filled attitude that is an inspiration to me personally, and I'm sure that it's touched many people in the audience. To hear you today describe this, um, it's horrible, but you see, and this is what I've said. I have said that conservative Christian people, no matter the challenge, adversity, or tragedy that they're facing, we are still able to realize there are blessings there. They may yet be unborn. We may not know these <laughs> blessings yet, but they are there. And that's what separates us from the radical liberals because they can't wrap their heads around that. Do you agree? Right. Oh, amen, 100%. And, you know, I mean, as hard as it is, it's, a, it's this has been the greatest honor of my life, Doug, honestly. I mean, um, to be able to serve the Lord in the realm of politics, um, you know, it's it's an honor to be in the fight, you know, and and a double honor to be on the tip of the spear, which is where I believe that God has had me out for years. And, uh, you know, I, I don't live for this world. I live for the kingdom to come. You know, I live for the, yeah. for the birth of a new America that I believe is right over the horizon right now. I believe that we're very soon going to flush the fraud out of Washington, DC. We're going to have justice. We're going to be able to look into the cartels like the Epstein cartel and, and others. And, and, you know, those that have been victims are going to finally have justice. And so that's that's the day that I work for. It's a day that I long for. And um, I believe it's going to be the day of the Lord. You know, I mean, it's yeah. Jesus is the only one that can save us now. You know, and I believe that Jesus is is coming again soon. And whenever he does, praise be to God, it's going to be a glorious day. Right on. Coy Griffin, ladies and gentlemen, again, I'm reminding you and, and begging you, head over to Give, Send, Go, and uh, search for support, support Coy Griffin. And if you have any knowledge of an attorney, if you are an attorney, and if you're willing to uh, do some pro bono work for, for Coy, his email again, coygriffin at hotmail.com. All of this information will be on the screen for you throughout this interview. Coy, God bless you. Um, I'm 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 with you. I'm your brother. I'll meet you in prayer. And uh, and God bless you. God bless you, brother. Can't wait to see you in person again, Doug. You're a you're a real star, man. We thank love you, you brother. very much. Amen. Thank All you, right. Doug. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, Doug Billings on the right side. God bless you. Believe it for the republic. Cheers. The right side with Doug Billings. Welcome to the MyPillow 2.0 commercial. You miss makeup. Well, you look good. And action. You're sleeping even better. We've got the best pillow ever. MyPillow 2.0. He's a great name for brother. Good. Cut. We got it. Good.
Welcome to the set of the MyPillow 2.0, the most amazing pillow in history. That new technology is still the MyPillow's patented fill. And now we have new technology we didn't have back when I invented MyPillow that's gonna help you sleep. It's absolutely amazing and you're the first ones that can check it out. Go to MyPillow.com, use the promo code on your screen and we brought back the buy one, get one free. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. The Right Side with Doug Billings.